Good morning, everyone. I'd like to welcome you all to Sunday service here in the Temple of Light at Ananda Village. I am Naya Swami Parvati. This is Naya Swami Pranaba. And joining us today for the talk is Brahmachari Sagar. So I will read um, from Rays of the One Light on the reading for this week. The topic, In Surrender Lies Victory. Truth is one and eternal. Realize oneness with it in your deathless self within. The following commentary is based on the teachings of Paramhansa Yogananda. A case might be made for surrender as a path to victory in worldly conflicts, the way of passive resistance, for example, in preference to armed resistance. But our point here concerns a higher kind of surrender, the surrender of our deluded egoic will to the wise and almighty will of God. Human will is, as Paramhansa Yogananda used to say, guided by whims and limited understanding. The divine will is in harmony with every level of reality. Though the divine will sometimes appears to us at first to be wrong, it proves always eventually to be for our highest good. Human will is inconsistent. It leads us one day to success, another to disaster. The divine will, when we surrender to it completely, though it is not always easy to do so, always brings us deep inner peace and joy in the end. Jesus Christ demonstrated this perfect surrender to God's will in the Garden of Gethsemane, the night before he was captured and imprisoned, preparatory to his crucifixion. He went apart from the others to pray and asked them to pray also. But when he returned to them, he found them asleep. Out of his love for them, he excused them, saying, The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. He then urged them again, saying, Watch and pray. Their weakness in those circumstances was particularly sad, and the disciples themselves must have regretted it bitterly later on. We all know the symptoms of human weakness, though we may excuse them in ourselves, saying, well, after all, I'm only human. But what are the, true, are the signs of true strength? We find in all cases that these are the fruit of a life wholly surrendered to God. The Bhagavad Gita lists these signs in the 13th chapter. Humbleness, truthfulness, and harmlessness, patience and honor, reverence for the wise, purity, constancy, control of self, contempt for sense delights, self-sacrifice, perception of the certainty of ill in birth, old age, and frail mortality, disease, the ego's suffering, and sin. 
detachment, holding lightly, lightly holding thoughts of home, children, and wife, those ties which bind most men, an ever tranquil, tranquil heart, heedless of good or adverse fortune, with the will upraised to worship me alone unceasingly, loving deep solitude and shunning noise of foolish crowds, calm focus on the self perceived within and in infinity. These qualities reveal true wisdom, Prince. All that is otherwise is ignorance. Thus, through Holy Scripture, God has spoken to mankind. Om, Om, Om. Hi, everyone. It's always a pleasure to be here uh, with those in person, those online. And I see we have some friends from Kamano Island. So uh, I was there three years ago, and I enjoyed my visit. It's nice to see you guys here. Uh, today's topic is In Surrender Lies Victory, and I have a short whispers from eternity that we can start with. Master Mariner, come take charge of my boat. Oh Father, my little raft of meditation is floating toward thy shore. Though buffeted by furious storms of distraction, and heaving waves on the sea of my mind rise and fall tumultuously. Yet I'm heading steadfastly toward thy shore. O Master Mariner, come, take charge of my boat. So generally, when we have these Sunday services, I like to keep them light, joyful, uplifted. But this is also a serious topic because the scene in the Christian Bible is Jesus is one day away from crucifixion and he's praying in the Garden of Gethsemane. Most of the crowds have left him, but here those very few on this planet on whose support he could count, you know, he's 12, faithful 12, he finds even they are unable to keep him company. And so it is a serious topic in Surrender Lies Victory, but it will alternate with uh, fun and humor. Probably we'll start with that. But uh, we'll have certain things to talk about which are important on the spiritual path. Sunday services are not for beginners. They are for those who want self-realization in this life. And then we come together to remind each other that we need to keep doing certain things so that we don't lose sight of that final goal. But the first thing that came to my mind when I uh, listened to this, or read this title, In Surrender Lies Victory, is what a paradoxical statement. You know, because you either surrender or you are victorious. You look at the history of humanity, I don't know of anybody who has victoriously surrendered. And when I was thinking of this, I, rem I remembered another advice from a saint in the autobiography of a yogi, don't do what you like, and then you may do what you want. And uh, that made me scratch my head. In fact, it reminded me of what 
uh, I like to see Lord of the Rings. So I, rem I remember Gandalf, when he came back as Gandalf the White, he had all his power and he met Aragorn and the elf and the dwarf, and he said a few things, and they all quietly listened. And then Aragorn says to him, in one thing you haven't changed, my friend. And Gandalf said, what's that? You still speak in riddles. You know, and I think what's true of the wizards can be said to be often true of saints. They speak in um, riddles. In fact, Jesus was a master at that because there's so many parables in the Christian Bible. But the thing here is uh, there are certain things. They mean one thing in ordinary language, but they mean something totally different in yogic parlance, so surrender, victory, and in fact, I'll give you two more examples. Think about the word. When I first read the chapter, the sleepless saint, I thought this saint must be suffering from insomnia, he's sleepless. Now what does sleeplessness mean? If somebody comes to a doctor and says, I'm experiencing sleeplessness, they would probably think uh, they are suffering from insomnia. I went to the dictionary and looked it up. Sleeplessness, inability to sleep, or insomnia. And not, that's not enough. He was also suffering from breathlessness. <laughs> what does it mean when someone suffers from breathlessness? Uh, inability to breathe, shortness of breath, asthma. And then thoughtlessness, and you know, you go on, and somebody shows up to, I don't know, Dr. Peters here, and says, well, I've been experiencing severe bouts of sleeplessness, and breathlessness, and thoughtlessness. Probably it would be a serious condition. But again, coming back, these things mean one thing for the yogi, and another for the ordinary person. So surrender here actually means, and Swami says this in the reading, it means, The surrender of our deluded egoic will to the wise and almighty will, almighty will of God. And so self-offering is what surrender means. And victory means self-realization. We lose whatever we are trying to achieve at this point. So, but at the end, the goal is self-realization. So we are trying to uh, surrender our self-will, our egoic will, and become self-realized. But there's one more thing just to set the context. When I look at people here, or those who are watching online, I don't think anybody needs to be told that you need to surrender your egoic will to God's will. You've done that already. Everybody here is a disciple. Same with the context in the Christian Bible. Who was Jesus' audience when he said, can't you stay in tune? It was the 12. They're already surrendered. They had already accepted him as their guru, and they had said, our life is for God. But the difference between Jesus and the 12 was Jesus had perfected that surrender. And so what we are being called to do is to perfect that surrender. In perfection of that surrender lies victory, not just surrendering. That's the start of the journey towards victory. And how do we perfect our surrender? I'm going to give just one or two practical things. Uh, we had a class a few weeks ago here on attunement and non-attunement, and this was what came to my mind, so I'll try to build on that theme, because in my own short life of discipleship, I have found 
what I'm saying today to be of the most, of the highest importance to making sure we are staying the course. You know, it's about staying the course and taking one step at a time, you reach the goal. So staying the course and keeping on moving. And this is, all of us want to surrender to God's will, but it's hard, first of all, if we knew God's will, it's hard to surrender. And why is that? Again, Swami Kriyananda explains it here. He says, divine will, when we surrender to it completely, and then in the bracket he says, though it's not always easy to do, always brings us deep inner peace and joy in the end. And so it's not right away, right away, it's difficult. In the Bhagavad Gita, there is in the last chapter, Krishna explains the three kinds of happiness. And he says, Rajasic happiness starts with suffering and ends, uh, you know, starts with joy, but ends with suffering. You overeat, great. Long term, not so good. But Satvic happiness is one that's like poison at the start, but is like nectar at the end. And so nobody likes poison at the start because that's where we are. We are not yet at the end, which is why following divine will is difficult. But even before that, knowing divine will is harder. You know, once we know it, we might follow it. And I often give this example. Uh, this is from uh, the life of Haridas, who, you know, if you know him, there's many stories that surround his career with Ananda. And uh, he and Vijay Girard were sent to Sacramento to start the first center, and both went there with one resolve, to do Divine Mother's will. And then they came back a few weeks later with the realization, Haridas put it in his classical way, he says, I realized there are two Divine Mother's wills. Because you know, he and Vijay couldn't agree, and um, both wanted to sincerely do God's will. And I have seen this to be true. The reason Yogananda explained is unless we are self-realized, the very introspective faculties that we are going to use to find Divine Mother's will are already infected with ego. And we all know the story about the demon and the powder and the demon saying, I was already in the powder. So the very introspection we are going to use, our self-analysis, it's important, but it's already infected with egoic will. Because how, how else can it be? Otherwise, we would be self-realized. And that's why with our self-will, not self-will, using our uh, ability to reason and introspect, um, we need outer guidance also. What Haridas used to say is he often prays for inner guidance and outer guidance. You know, and I have found this is really wise to do uh, because the examples abound in autobiography of a yogi. As Yogananda said, as Swami Kriyananda used to say rather, that Paramahansa Yogananda came to this uh, earth self-realized. He didn't have to go through all the experiences that he mentions in that book. He went through them for you and I. So we know what we should do. And what are some of the things he did? Remember that scene where he had this vision where he was to go to America. An avatar having a vision and he sees the faces of all his future disciples. Does he rush to America right away or does he go to his guru and say, sir, is this true? You know, inner guidance, 
outer guidance. And his guru says, yes, it's true, it's now or never, go to America. But you know, just for our sake probably, he says, well, I need more assurance. And he goes into that little room, which is still there. I hope everybody can go there in Master's house where uh, Babaji came to him. And he receives one more layer of guidance saying, yeah, we are with you, don't worry. Go to America, you will be protected. You are the one we chose to take this mission to the West. But the reason Yogananda did that, I think, he didn't need to do it, is so you and I realize the need for outer guidance. And this is why in the discipleship wow, uh, again something that I often think about, Swami Kriyananda wrote, he said, I'll join my energies to those of my Guru Bhais, my spiritual family on earth. I will cooperate with them and especially with the living representatives and guides of my divine line of gurus. Now if you became a disciple, you already took this wow. You know, so this is what should guide our conduct already. But in a letter, you know, Swami Kriyananda in the book, In Divine Friendship, uh, there's many letters there. In one of them, he writes, because somebody asked him about his role at Ananda. And he wrote a very nice letter. Here's an excerpt. Yogananda himself, while living, urged the newer disciples to look to his close disciples and not to him alone for guidance and inspiration. The truth is, those who think to go straight to God and Guru without help from others have not yet learned the humility related to surrendering the ego, have not yet learned the humility necessary to advance much on the path. The wise devotee rather, knowing how difficult it is at all times to get out of delusion, is eager for any guidance he can get on his journey. And so, Saint Francis, when I was in Italy, somebody told me, when he used to receive guidance, he would check it with two of his closest disciples, Brother Sylvester and Sister Claire. So when he received guidance to go uh, do outreach, because he was praying, should I live the life of a hermit, or should I spread the word? And he felt guided to spread the world. He went to these two and asked them to pray also. And they came back and said, yeah, that's what we feel too. Again, he didn't need to do it. He was probably leaving a legacy of how his disciples should you know, make important decisions. I have found making sure that you have outer guidance is important in things that can really change the trajectory of your life. And these are things where we don't want outer guidance. We are, you know, as somebody said in the autobiography, people are skillful at their ignorance and they weren't being critical. The ego knows how to shield itself, you know, and it will shield itself despite our best intentions. And so some of the things, and I'm saying this today uh, based on uh, my observation over 10 years of what has helped me, what I have seen has helped others stay the course, getting into relationships, inner guidance and outer guidance, getting out of relationships, that can get messy. So uh, inner guidance and outer guidance, because you know, how you get out of a relationship tells me a lot about how much you have progressed spiritually. 
It's easy to get into a relationship with love. But anyway, I don't want to go into that. So getting into relationships, getting out of relationships, moving between communities, moving out of communities, move, changing careers. If you are given a job saying, no, I don't want to do this job because I don't like it, my interest is in something else, I said, we'll get serious. But let me say this at the onset. When I see everybody seated here, I see sincere souls of the same caliber as those 11 or 12 who are in that garden. But they weren't yet perfected in their self-offering. And we all humbly can assume, despite our best intentions, there might be things we can learn and improve and perfect our self-offering. So don't get me wrong, none of these are correctives. But these things that I suggested, and the last one is financial disputes, because it's one of the three great temptations. It's very hard to be clear when you are in a financial situation, especially with other devotees, because then it's devotees versus devotees, and everybody is doing Divine Mother's will. That's when, you know, you see there are two Divine Mother's wills, and you need inner guidance and outer guidance. Especially in the thing you don't want to ask people about. Remember, surrendering the ego is not easy. Otherwise, it would not be a Sunday service topic. Swami didn't have any easy topics as Sunday service topics here. So we need all the help uh, we can get. But coming back, now we'll escalate the difficulty level one more. So yes, we want to know the will of God. We want to surrender to God's will. We want to perfect that surrender. We realize that we need to do our part, but we also need outer guidance. Here's the next question. When you have inner guidance, and you receive outer guidance, and those are different, <laughs> which one do you trust? And you can, you know, in your mind get an answer. You don't have to tell the answer. You know, because you receive a strong inner guidance, and then you receive from some wise person outer guidance on what you should do, especially on those topics I mentioned. Um, which side would you go with? Uh, what I do when I stand here is I never give my viewpoints, because that's not the role of somebody who stands here. I share the teachings of Paramahansa Yogananda and of Swami Kriyananda. So what I'm going to do is give you something from Paramahansa Yogananda's writing. Now this is from Kamla Silva's book, The Flawless Mirror. She chose one of Yogananda's quotes as her foreword, as a part of her foreword. And uh, you'll see why she called Yogananda flawless mirror. And so this is from Paramahansa Yogananda. He says, introspection is a wonderful mirror, but greater than that is to see your image in the flawless mirror of a wise man's mind. So, introspection is a wonderful mirror, but greater than that is to see your image in the flawless mirror of a wise man's mind. That's why he called, she called Yogananda flawless mirror, of a wise man's mind, not just of the guru. See, we, the living instrument part is so important because the living instrument can burst your bubble. The guru, yeah, you can say Swami Kriyananda will guide me, he's not here. Again, his guidance has to taper through your own introspection. You read books, they don't argue back with you. And that's why, you know, uh, people 
can be averse to living instruments, giving guidance. I remember this story when somebody told Paramahansa Yogananda, uh, Paramahansa Yogananda was talking to a nun, and he told her, you know, this is what you should do, and she didn't want to do that. So she went to a meditation room and started praying to Babaji. Saying, I don't want to do this, you know. And then she came out of the meditation room and next time Yogananda saw her, he looked at her and said, no going over my head. <laughs> Living instrument, hard. We don't want it really, the ego doesn't want it. Books, yeah, the ego, you know, because you can weave your way around it. You can get your own way. Uh, the ego is devious. And uh, when Swami Kriyananda was leading Ananda, same thing. Well, we are going to master. Not everybody, quite a few though, I suspect. We are in tune with him, why do we need you? Well, because master won't burst your bubble. And the greatest blessing on the spiritual path is when somebody bursts your bubble. There's no greater friend, no greater instrument of divinity than that. And now, well, some people can say, well, we'll tune into Swami and we'll tune into Master. Good luck to you. And uh, I would be surprised if you make much progress, but I'm willing, more than willing, to be proven wrong. Like I said, these are important things, which is why we are bringing these up today. But I want to give you a few examples from the autobiography of a yogi. When inner guidance and outer guidance conflicts, what do you choose? The first time Yogananda goes to Sri Yukteswar's ashram, he says, Sir, I have come. And Sri Yukteswar puts on his Sri Yukteswar face, stern. You have come. And he says, Yes, sir, I'm here to follow you. How can that be? You disobey my wishes. No, sir, your wish will be my law, if you remember. And then what's his, Yogananda has come with the inner guidance. I'm done with school. I'm here to live with my guru forever and ever. Bye-bye family, bye-bye uh, school. Very well then, my first wish is that you enroll in the college. <laughs> Yogananda's reply, would importunate books follow me forever? First father, then Sri Yukteswar. And don't get, stay with your family. Why should you exclude them from your love? And Yogananda, what does he do? Does he say, I'm staying here? Or does he go enroll in a school and stay with his family? Outer guidance. Same thing a few years later, uh, I receive my university degree. Yogananda has the inner guidance. Well, I don't need to appear for the final exam. You know, because I, what, why, why would I appear? I, I can't pass. But Sri Yukteswar, no, you must appear. Inner guidance versus outer guidance. When Lahiri Masha met Babaji, Lahiri Masha says, inner guidance, I'm staying in the Himalayas, not going back. There's no going back, as they say. Uh, but Babaji says, no, your role in this life is to go back. And it's a blessing when we have that kind of outer guidance. You know, that's why in the Bhagavad Gita, this is a chapter on Jnana Yoga. Now, most people think Jnana Yoga is about being wise and using discrimination, but wisdom is received. Jnana Yoga is about receiving wisdom from those you, who have it, which is why one of the lines, shlokas in the Bhagavad Gita is as follows. Understand this, above all, above all, that's important. By surrender of self-will to the wise, by sensitive inward and outward questioning of the wise, and by service to the wise, those who have realized the truth will be able to convey their wisdom to you. 
And Swami Kriyananda later says, this stanza is meant to be applied especially to one's own self-realized guru, if one is so blessed as to have drawn one. The plural is used here, however, to indicate the need for devotees to honor all enlightened sages generally, surrender to the infinite God in them, openness to their uplifting influence and support for that influence are important in helping the devotee to rise above the naturally narrow, naturally narrow outlook imposed by the ego. It's natural to think egotistically or from egoically, not even egotistically, from the ego. It's where we are. So there's nothing to feel bad about, but we want to get beyond it. And so inner guidance and outer guidance uh, this mix is what helps us. I'm going to tell you a fun story because at Ananda I have seen there's many things. People are wise here. They won't give you guidance unless you really ask for it. You really, really have to ask for it because giving guidance is sensitive, you know. People snap back. And so even when you ask for it, they'll test the waters to see how open you are. Uh, and if you're really lucky, you'll receive guidance. I have seen uh, on this path in, in Ananda, wisdom, the desire to help the other. If I go for guidance, Devi once told me, you know, Swami's training to us was to keep people first. We are not interested in what you can offer or organizational things. We are interested in your well-being. And then she told me to do something which I didn't want to do, but uh, she got me there. And I followed that guidance and I think I benefited. You know, it helped me to work on my own nature, to even it out. But I remember, now I see Nayaswami Jaya here, so I'm not going to embarrass him, but I'm going to read an email from him to me. This happened many years ago when I was young. I, I said to Jaya once, I'm leaving. You know, uh, some silly reason, generally when somebody says they are leaving, there's a silly reason. I have not yet heard of somebody have a wise reason to leave Ananda. So they said, I'm leaving, you know, and uh, uh, something hadn't worked according to what I wanted. How many people, don't raise your hands, you know, uh, but I'm going to ask this. How many people here dislike authority figures? I am one. There's no other authority figure but the ego, the greatest tyrant. It'll make you think others who have your best interests at mind are the authority figures. But you know, what else can it do? It has to try to perpetuate itself. But anyway, when I wrote to Jaya saying I'm leaving, he wrote me a letter. And I have that letter here. It even has a letter head. I'm going to read this to you. Let me drink some water first. This is fun. So the letterhead says, the Yogananda School of Life Graduate Division. Then sub-letterhead says, Office of Admissions. And here's a letter, Dear Brahmachari Sagar, upon review of your request for termination of your present class assignments and possible application to the School of Hard Knocks, please allow me to bring to your attention the relevant articles of admission to which all students agree upon entrance. I call to your attention section seven, terms of withdrawal, which say, entry into the Yogananda School of Life is irrevocable. <laughs> students upon entering the school forfeit all rights of withdrawal. 
They are permitted to remain in school for as long as needed to attain their degree, but withdrawal is not permitted until graduation. And then the letter goes on and says, as you know, some students take one, two, or even three days of Brahma to receive their degree. <laughs> but serious students are encouraged to proceed at a more rapid pace. Regarding your possible request for transfer to the School of Hard Knocks, SHK, I advise against it. <laughs> Students make their own choices, but in review of your transcript, I note you are making good progress toward your degree and suspect such a transfer will only lead to delay. Be advised that the School of Hard Knocks is exceedingly crowded at the moment. <laughs> And although the dean of the school will undoubtedly make space for you, former, st former students of my acquaintance report very slow progress. <laughs> and living conditions are said to be substandard. <laughs> if I remember correctly, I believe you once took classes in that part of the campus. And I call this to your attention. And then this last line is true for all of us if we seek that guidance. As a counselor for the school and as someone with regard for your character, I encourage your steady progress. I remind you of my availability by appointment should you wish to review your application in more detail. I'll offer whatever assistance is at my command. He has done that and others have done that. I just want to say that. Please feel free to contact me at your convenience. Now that line is for us. We have to initiate that contact. Please feel free to contact me at your con convenience. And then he signs Naya Swami Jaya, guidance counselor, Yogananda School of Life. <laughs> so this is a show of hands question. Everybody is supposed to do a show of hands. Um, how many people here don't want to go to the School of Hard Knocks and want to stay at Yogananda School of Life? You know, all of us. Now remember this. In any school, when you go to learn from there, yes, you have to tune into the founders' principles, you have to tune into their vision, but you have to learn through the current faculty. You will make a very poor student if you say, I disregard the faculty. All I'll do is look at the photo of the founder and read what he said. And so here we have the founders. We have Swami Kriyananda, we have the gurus, and we have to tune into them, but not by bypassing the faculty. That's a road to disaster. But we work with the faculty, and we have a really fine faculty here. I can say these things also because I'm not on the faculty. See, that's the beauty of being a next waiver. I can say this as somebody who's new. I have gained the most from attuning myself, my understanding, with those who Swami left here, and by balancing my viewpoints. So remember, do this. This is your homework. Everybody who lives here, once in a while, ask somebody on the Spiritual Life Council or Jyotish and Devi, you know, what should I do? I want to become self-realized in the shortest time possible. Any suggestions? Even if you think you are doing everything right, ask. And then when the guidance comes, see where it leads you. Especially when those things happen. Relationships, moves, jobs, feeling you don't want to do some, something because you don't like it. The balance in your viewpoints, it's hard to get those of your own accord. 
And so, uh, but when we bring in outer guidance and we mix it with inner guidance, it becomes easier, uh, it becomes a joy. So in summary, uh, let's all uh, take all the help we have received. Let's perfect our self-offering. We are all self-offering. We are a fine crop of devotees here. But this life, before breath withdraws from your body, we want to become self-realized. Many blessings, joy to you. the sky, nightly when starlight enfolds us, peace is its lullaby, Amen, Strive, reconcile.